0: Hey everyone at ThanksBeatapod, this is Colby, and this is a special episode for Nate and I. With our Patreon community, we're starting to offer weekly homilies, and if you don't know what a homily is, it's basically a sermon. So every week on our Patreon page, we're going to be producing short five to ten minute homilies. Some by us, some by friends, some by people we haven't even met yet. Something as formal and religious as a sermon can be triggering for folks uncertain about their relationship with Christianity, so we wanted to give you a taste of these homilies to determine if it's worth it for you, if it's something you're willing to give a chance again. We wanted to give a low-risk opportunity to hear what a progressive Christian sermon might sound like. And it should be noted that this is not the only form a progressive homily can take. As we breathe in the mystery of God and lean into the creativity and playfulness of the divine, these homilies will take many shapes. So, if you're still listening and still willing to test the waters of preaching again, we say thank you if you had the courage and trust to hit play on this episode even though you knew what a homily was thank you for trusting nate and i for the willingness to step into fragile conversation for at least skeptically coming back to a facet of spirituality that is often misused and mistreated so as we move into our homily for today I'd love for us to just take a moment. Lately, I've been feeling odd about prayer, uh, just confused about what I think of it particularly, and this is coming from three years of theological education and a lot of time spent trying to figure this out, and I'm still not sure. So at this point in my life, at this moment, prayer to me is just a conscious deep breathing where I recognize the life that moves through me before attempting to enter a holy space, a sacred mindset. So together, let's take a couple breaths as we recognize the divine potential within each of us. So I've gotten into a habit of taking my puppy Milo, he's 10 months old right now. I've gotten into this habit of taking him for a walk basically every day after I get home from work. If you have me on Instagram, you know Milo. He he's the bomb. His mom was a red healer, and we think dad was a Jack Russell, which we weren't aware of when we got him. Uh, but little Milo is tinier than we anticipated but jacked beyond all belief and every afternoon we start out down the road together and always end up at this cute little park less than a mile from our house so on these days i get home i let him into the backyard and i suit up into some athletic gear And once he comes inside he usually does about three circles around me, sits down, I put his leash on him, and we're off. But I noticed something recently. As we leave the house, Milo is frantic and very suspicious of every single little thing that we pass. You've seen this before if you're a dog person if you've ever had a dog or just watched them anytime you're on a new path a new route your dog needs to sniff everything it passes and so I call him I tug him I encourage him when he stays on track but somehow he remains nervous as we approach the park we pass this patch of trees and it gets a bit wooded and then it opens up to this clearing and you can see the whole park in sight. There's a playground with swings and a slide and a pavilion for kids birthday parties and there's this track that runs along the outside perimeter of the park. And So as we leave the wooded area and the clearing opens up, Milo's ears Every time without fail perk back, he gets the sweetest little trot in his step and he gets up ahead of me and makes the turn off the sidewalk into the park without me guiding him. That is the story of the Bible to me. That's what it's all about. We're lost, we're confused, suspicious, curious, alone worried and terrified sniffing everything we pass to make sure that we're okay with it and before you know it the wooded area with trash and strange smells opens up into the all too familiar arms of what we know and love the bible is a collection of stories of people in exile finding their way home Perking their ears back and bolting to the spaces that we know and love. Milo doesn't have to worry once we get to the park. He knows what's going on there. He knows that's our spot, that it's a that it's a home for us. But one day last week everything was just about the same. We left the house, we were curious and suspicious, we got to the trees and it opened up to the clearing and we trotted into the park like we were home from a big journey. And as we did our first lap around the outside of the park, there was a family with children on the playground. As we approached, Milo's ears stood up alert, and you all know this cannot be good. Next thing we know, the stockiest dog I have ever seen is bolting at Milo. I mean like dog on steroids, strong, bounding towards us, barking aggressively at us. So I, for better or for worse, drop the leash knowing Milo's gonna need to use his legs to handle this guy. There's no way Milo, being a little bit small, could stand up to this stocky, huge dog, and so I know he's gonna have to start running. And Milo's a fast runner, and he starts off weaving and running, and I start to hear him letting out whimpers and his tail starts tucking as low as possible behind his legs, and I am standing there, unable to control the situation, just hurting for my little guy, calling for him, thinking if I can just get him up in my arms, I could step in and handle the situation. But Milo keeps running, fearful, terrified, confused, alone, worried, Finally, he sees me, arms out, calling for him, and he makes it to me and leaps up into my arms, and I use my best pivoting skills to keep this overly aggressive creatine-injected dog off Milo until the family can come and get him. Milo was totally dazed, mind hazy. What had just happened to him? What happens when the place you call home becomes a place where you're attacked and unloved, a place of confusion, fear, loss, terror? What happens when your home becomes the place of exile? You see what I'm getting at here? You know, you know this feeling. It might be home and family as you've started to deconstruct has become a place that was once safe that's now feeling a little bit like exile. Might be church as you've opened up about your identity, about your questions, assuming this place of home and solace was safe, a safe space to be vulnerable. What happens when the shelter from the storm, the home that welcomes you out of exile becomes your place of exile. It's quick to search for blame. At the park with Milo, I was angry. I was mad at myself for not seeing that the family had their dog off the leash. I was mad at the family for letting me walk a whole lap around the park and not leashing their dog that whole time. I mean, surely you have to know your dog's temperament at this point in its age enough to know that this was about to happen. I was worried that Milo would blame me and be upset with me that I took him there. You know, I know that that's overly dramatic, but you have to imagine that ran through Milo's mind of how could my owner ever let this happen to me? I must say we've revisited the park and I think Milo is recovered from his trauma. He's still willing to perk those ears and trot on into the park when we arrive. But could you blame him if he didn't? Could you blame him if he was hesitant, skeptical, nervous, confused, suspicious, no longer excited to be at this place that he once thought of as his afternoon home? The Bible is a collection of stories of people in exile finding their way home. But that doesn't mean that Christianity and the church mirror that very well, do they? That is certainly my hope for Christianity, but it's not fair to say that we've made it there yet. It is okay to still feel like you're in exile. It is okay to feel suspicious and confused and scared and lost and alone when it comes to Christianity. But we should always be looking for our opening in the trees, something worth boldly trotting into with joy. And that's not to say that place is fully safe. It's not to say that one day when you get there, there won't be a stocky dog ready to chase you down. But it can be a home for you on your journey. It can be a temporary space that feels a little bit closer to God. And as you find home after home that work for you and your life and your personhood, I'd encourage all of us to start asking, how can I be a better home to other people searching on their way? That is our message for today. As we start to read this contentious book together on Patreon, how can we be looking for home, offering home? Are you in exile right now? And what are you doing about it? Is someone you know in exile right now? And what are you doing about it? What are you doing to give them that solace, that relief, that home from their suspicion, confusion, and loneliness. Like Milo, let's be honest about our suspicions and our confusion. Sniff where you got to sniff, but let's not let that stop us from the opportunities for joy. When we find something that works exile, home death and resurrection these stories can lead us and guide us and we hope they continue to they have at one point in our lives for the most part so let's continue to seek home together Thanks for joining us for another episode of thanks be to pod. This has been our first homily. We'll be doing these every week for the folks that are in our Patreon community, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash thanks be to pod. The folks at Patreon make this show possible. So we wanted to do something special. We'll be back next week with a regular episode. But until then, this has been the word of pod for the people of pod. Thanks be to pod.